It's Valentine's Day, though. I have to acknowledge the history of Valentine's. If you don't know, there's a legend of Valentine's and how it started, just so you know. So all the women, pay attention, because there's a reason why your husbands are taking you out tonight. There was a legend. There was a man who lived in the second century. His name was Valentino or Valentine. I don't know, know exactly the spelling. Valentinus, it could have been. He was Roman. He was a, uh, he was a, uh, a Christian. He was the one who was certified to do marriages. And uh, Claudius, the emperor, thought it was more better for a man not to marry because they made better soldiers for the Roman Empire. But Valentinus or Valentine or Valentino <coughs> continued to marry people and defying the laws of Claudius. And thus he was martyred. And thus he was killed for defying the emperor. And the church celebrated him and made him a saint. And today we celebrate him in honor of his convictions of it, love must go on. So I have a little knock-knock joke that I'm going to do with my wife. She doesn't know nothing about this, but I wanted us to do it live. <laughs> Honey, knock-knock. Olive. Olive I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Since I stole that one, you have my permission to steal that for yourself. <laughs> Feel free to steal that. <clears throat> We're talking about, you ever make a mistake in your life? You ever make a mistake? I don't know about you, but I, made a, I make a lot of mistakes. I make parenting mistakes. I make marriage mistakes. You know what I try to tell people when I make a mistake? I didn't mean to do that. Because generally mistakes are unintentional. Well, what about sin? That's an uncomfortable word, huh? You know, we don't throw that around the house too often, do we? It's uncomfortable. I can understand why it's, we, we've almost erased the word from our vocabularies in our culture. You don't hear people talk about in your, your work about sin. It's always a mistake. Why? Because sin conjures up who? God. When you start saying sin, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It conjures God in my mind. When kids disobey, I, I don't say, you sinned against me. <laughs> when an employee does something wrong, the boss doesn't say, you sinned against me. He doesn't say that. So you broke company policy. If you break my rules, you've broken my rules at the house. I try to give my kids a, a rule of two hours on the computer to play your games. Sometimes I catch them playing seven hours. They broke my rules. I don't say, I don't open the door, you sinned against me, son. I don't come across like, okay, wait, wait, what's going on? How long have you been on the computer? What's the timer? You know, rule breaking and law breaking and disobedience happen within a sphere of family, business, government, your work. You know, you, 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 you break a civil law, you pay a fine. You miss your court date, you pay a huge fine, right? Your family may have laws and rules and you break them. Okay, fine. But sin, that word throws it in a completely different direction when I hear that word. One to which I'm accountable. I don't have to give an account. It assumes a moral absolute of some kind that I violated 
It echoes of judgment. It makes me feel bad about myself. It makes me feel condemned by God. That, that's what that word sin conjures up. God is mad and I'm a bad person. We don't like to think of it in those terms. Because that sounds kind of harsh. Well, let me ask you. When someone intentionally goes to your home and desecrates it, we don't tell that person, oh, it's just a mistake, man. It was, the, it was the wrong house, obviously. <laughs> We're actually annoyed. We're angry. We want justice because it was intentional. It violated you. And you're angry. So why would God feel any, any different? It's intentional. You violated something. It starts to become a reality that I may be a bad person. I'm a bad, God is bad. That's probably true. When I do things intentionally, you can put the word you. You are mad, and therefore I'm a bad person, right? Because I did something against you. So here's the definition. Transgression of divine law. That's what sin is. Any act regarded as a transgression, especially a willful or deliberate violation of some religious or moral principle. Sin in the dictionary. Who needs that? So what, what, what have we done in our culture? We've adopted a different word. A much more comfortable word. That word seems kind of harsh. I don't like that word. We don't sin. We just make mistakes. Ah, an error in action. Ah, it sounds better. A miscalculation. An error in judgment or opinion. Caused by poor reasoning, carelessness, insufficient dollar, etc., etc., etc. That sounds way better. To say it was a mistake versus it's sin. That sounds, that sounds so deliberate. Or, as my kids say, they don't even, the new generation, they don't use mistake, they use epic fail. That's what they use. Type that in. Find a lot of funny stuff on epic fails. Mistake. You know, my cheating, lying, those are just mistakes. Miscalculations. I'm doing my taxes and I just miscalculated. <laughs> Temptation. It's a mistake, IRS, please. Did you understand? Where's our money? I spent it. When someone says to you, you know, when they did something deliberate and on purpose and they try to call it a mistake, how, what's, what's your reaction? Let's review that. Because a mistake's a better word. But there are several differences between a sin and mistake. Sin is intentional. Mistake is accidental. There's no intent. It's a mistake. It's an error. Sin assumes a moral absolute by which I'm being evaluated by. That's God. Mistakes assume poor judgment. That's the difference. And there's another big difference between the two. Sin requires forgiveness a mistake does not a mistake is an accident you don't forgive or punish an accident 
You know, I remember when I was a kid, the lines were blurred with my father. I would spill the milk accidentally on the kitchen table. My dad dealt with it as it was deliberate. So therefore, the consequences were severe. I was just leaning over to get the pepper. And I brought my elbow back and hit the milk. And the response was, Condemnation! Harsh. I tried to say, Dad, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. You were playing at the table. I wasn't. I wasn't playing. I was going for the pepper. And I'm trying to let the faucets go. I'm trying to let it leak out. To no avail. To no avail. An accident may require restitution. You want to make it right, but not not punishment. It's an accident. So my kids spill milk nowadays. Restitution is you got to clean it up. Not me or your mother. You got to clean it up right. So they're on the table cleaning it up. And then they call the dogs over to lick it up. That's not right. That's not right. You got to do it. Here's the twist. I'm not a sinner. I'm a mistake maker. If these are mistakes, not sins, then I'm not really a sinner. I'm just a mistake maker. Try that one at home, fellas. If I'm not a sinner, I certainly don't need a savior. I just need to do better. That's the twist. But the problem is this. I think we know better. The problem is that we want to try to live a good life and just call everything that's deliberate or intentional that we do a mistake. And we don't want to be evaluated on things we do intentionally. We don't mind the truth, like it, it was an accident. We can live with that. But the intentional stuff, we want to say it was a mistake. We don't want to acknowledge that there's something greater to be accountable to because it turns into sin, and therefore I'm a sinner. And we know that we throw this word around a lot in our culture. But in our inner lives, when we look inside in our motives, in our thoughts, in our imaginary conversations that we have in front of the mirror, we know something is wrong. We just don't do occasional bad things. It runs, it runs deeper for us humans. There is a default of wanting to sin, wanting to do things deliberately that we know are wrong. We do them anyway. Why? And there's a frustration. Why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? But we mask it with, oh, it was just a mistake. And so we never really get the chance to see our need for a savior, to save us, the sinner. It's just, we're just mistake makers. So when Jesus shows up, he presents what appears to be contradictory ideas. He raised the bar of goodness so high that nobody was good. Then he insisted that God loved everybody and wanted everyone to be close to him. Those seem like contradictory ideas. Nobody's good. Everyone's a sinner. That makes me feel bad. But God loves you, accepts you like you are, will change you if you let him. And here's what Jesus knew. And here's why the twist is so insidious. 
until you see yourself as a sinner, not a mistake maker, you won't acknowledge your need for a savior. You'll never seek forgiveness. You just won't. And God's agenda in pointing our sin out is not condemnation. He's pointing it out so you'll seek forgiveness. And so Jesus began his ministry by raising the bar so high, everyone felt condemned. Let's look at a few passages of what I'm talking about. So Matthew 5, Jesus says this. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Tell, I tell, truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's kind of just setting up what this bar goodness, how high it goes. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, bless you, and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, the Pharisees were the, pe- were the people in, in, their, in their community who were the leaders, but they were the most people that they actually stuck to as close as possible to not making any sin mistakes. And he says, your righteousness has to pass them. Well, let's continue. You've heard it said, so here it goes. You've heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder the killing of someone else. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, you know what that means? Empty head. You got no brains. There's nothing in the noodle up there. Bunch of air here. Airhead. Raka. Is answerable to the religious body, the Sanhedrin. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done that a lot. I've not murdered anybody, but I've been angry with people. The bar. When I'm angry, and I do things like raka, I do things like, you fool. I'm not murdering physically. The bar has been raised. This is not for the mistake makers. This is, this is called sin. Angry. You ever been angry with your spouse? Oh, my days, right? Not today, though, right? Today's Valentino Day, right? Not today. We're not going to do that dance today. Maybe tomorrow, but certainly not today. You have heard it said that you should not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Whoa! I didn't even do anything. I did nothing. Just a little look. Boom. Bar raised. Sin committed. Now accountable. I, I don't even know where to start with the fellas, right? We're like, what? Huh? <coughs> that bar's high. 
It was a mistake. No, 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 no. It wasn't a mistake. You did it intentionally. You know what you're doing. Sin. But it's meant to expose our hearts so what? So we go, wait, wait, wait. I'm a sinner. I'm not a mistake maker. I can't blow that. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. But our culture doesn't want you to know that. Our culture says, no, 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 no. It was a mistake. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That was the Old Testament. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality causes her to become an adulteress and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Whoops! In our society, whoops! Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Bar's high, isn't it? That's a high bar. But God doesn't say this for condemnation. He's saying it so you'll be aware of just the sinner you really are. Maybe you've been denying that you've been a sinner. Maybe your go-to and default is, oh, I made a mistake. It's a mistake. Poor judgment. That may be true, but it was still deliberate. The bar's high. To reveal one thing, our need for a Savior. That's why. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecutes you. Whoa! That bar's high. You mean that guy at work that took my job because he lied to get there and I was honest and I didn't get it? He did it on purpose? Jobs are hard to come by! Enemies. Sometimes it's my dog who just has poopy problems in the backyard and I gotta go back there look at him as my enemy then I have to feed it afterwards it's a daily struggle bar's high at that moment in my life in the backyard patio I'm a sinner I want to kick it So what is, what is what's the point? The point in the story of the parable, the story that he says the prodigal son, he goes off and he, and he spends everything and he deserts his family and he, and he lives a wild life and then he comes to his senses and he says something like to his dad, father, and, and father in, in the story is God and the son is us. He says, father or God, I've sinned against heaven and, and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's acknowledging this, I'm a sinner. I blew it. I made a mistake. No, I sinned. See how easy our culture is? I blew it. I made a mistake. No. Sin. Deliberate. Intentional. When you say a mistake, it almost takes away the shame of it. And we think shame is bad in our culture. Shame is good. Shame is real good. Why is it so good? Because it provokes us to change. Right? Look what the dad says. Look what God says back. But the father said to the servants, Quick! 
Bring his best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers. Bring the chunklas. Put them on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and alive again. He was lost and he was found. So they began to celebrate. You know, when you try to hide your sin behind mistakes, you end up lost. You're lost. But when you acknowledge him, you get found. And you can celebrate with God. The sinner is redeemed. That's what God wants. The father didn't go, you really screwed it up this time, didn't you? Didn't do that. It was a celebration. And the reason why we like to call it mistakes, because we're afraid that God's going to be, it's irreparable. I can't make it right again. I messed up so bad. It's, I can't fix it. That is not the correct way to view God. The way to view Him is that He responds to sinners. God is attracted to sinners. God wants to be around the sinner. Who is Jesus hanging out with on earth? The Pharisees? No, those who thought only were mistake makers? He hung around with the sinners. And the mistake makers were like, what are you doing hanging around with them? Because they... I need them, they need me. And then Paul writes in Romans 3, there is no difference whether you're Jewish or Gentile, meaning non-Jewish, everyone else. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Why did so many people flock to Jesus? Because of one thing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And embracing our sinful position, it positions us to acknowledge our need for a Savior. Guilt and shame and hopelessness that drive you to God are good things. When I feel ashamed, I change. I don't know about you, but it makes me go. When I say it was a mistake, I don't really take it that seriously. It's a mistake. It was an accident. Sorry, man. But when it's shameful, I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? It provokes me to change. Not to commit myself to going to church, but to surrender myself to God. That's what it does. If you think shame is, I'm going to run to church every Sunday because you're shame. No, no, no. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Shame should drive you to surrender yourself to God. Guilt. Surrender yourself. In a culture that's brought the twist that guilt and shame have no place in our culture and sees, and sees no need for a Savior, the culture wants to eradicate guilt and shame. They want to eradicate it. And say it's just a mistake. And you say that long enough, you end up convincing yourself, I'm a good person. I just make mistakes. And as long as you merely are a mistake maker, you never will know exactly what to do with your guilt. You just don't know what to do with it. I mean, people, you can drink it away. People try that. They, they literally try to 
They crawl into a bottle and they don't know what to do with it. So they drink it away. They go to clubs. They go to parties, never ending. I was one of those guys. I could not drink the guilt away. I tried. I drank and I drank and I drank and I drank. But I still had the guilt. Wouldn't go away. Didn't know what to do with it. I could sleep it away. Try doing that too. If I sleep for 12 hours, maybe I'll just forget everything. So I drank to sleep for hours. We could drug it away. Smoke weed and do drugs. I could drug it away, the guilt. People do that too. Oh, I can busy it away. Just keep myself so busy, so busy, so busy, so active. Well, I don't have to think about my guilt, but it's still there. Didn't go away. Tried that too. How about if I cover it up or ignore it? What if I take it out on somebody else? Someone offends you, then all that guilt comes out. Roar! You can try all those things. But you will never, never be able to resolve it as long as you think you're a mistake maker. It cannot be done. Because that requires forgiveness. And that requires seeing your mistakes for what they really are. Sin. Which makes you a sinner. Which positions you as someone who needs a savior which makes Jesus attracted to you. He's not attracted to pride. He's not attracted to self-righteousness. He's attracted to sinners. So the more you acknowledge a sinner, guess what happens? God goes, I like you. Come here. Come over here. So as the band gets ready to give us a, a last song about Jesus... I want to wrap this up with a few questions. Have you ever confessed to God that you are a sinner? And that you've sinned? And that you need a Savior? Have you ever done that? Not a priest. Directly to God. Say these things. Because embracing our sinfulness is what positions us to be embraced by our Savior. The culture will say this, you are not guilty, but you know that you are. The culture says, it was a mistake, but you know it wasn't. See, only you would know that. And, and you do make, we all make legitimate mistakes. And we know the difference. But here's the, tw here's the truth. Here's how to untwist it. Here's how to untwist it. For all have sinned. And that makes you a sinner. Makes me a sinner. And the minute you see your mistakes for what they really are, in that minute, in that moment, you're a candidate for God's grace and forgiveness. This is why it's so important to do away with it's a mistake 
when you know it was sin and to acknowledge it because then you put yourself in the moment to see God's grace and get His forgiveness. The band's going to close out with a song. And after that song, that'll conclude our service. Thanks for your time.